Amen. 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 All right, preacher, you come preach to us tonight. Thank you, preacher. Wonderful to be here tonight, isn't it? It's been a place where the Lord has liberty to move, and I've enjoyed the uh, testimonies tonight. Uh, thank God for His divine presence in the service and for uh, the testimonies of those that have been saved and given their life to the Lord. We um, want to give you just a brief statement. I've not said anything about Rock of Ages. We're in staff meetings this week, and that's partially why we're in town. <clears throat> but we are established in 18 different states in the public schools of America. And God's beginning to work and move. We've had a great number of souls that have been saved. But I've seen about the testimonies tonight. There was a young 16-year-old man. His name is John Smith. And he's out of John Smith's church in Hurricane West Virginia, who is the pastor. And uh, he was saved in the public school, called to preach. And we had him testify at one of our conferences a while back. And uh, when he jumped, the whole church vibrated. Uh, he was a man's man. And uh, 16 years old, the Lord called him to preach, and God's doing a great work in his life. And what we've witnessed here tonight is needed in all of our churches in the United States of America. Uh, it's good to be in a place where we know the Lord's working. Uh, one of our missionaries today gave the testimony and uh, said, if we'll just be out busy about God's business, God will take care of our business. And how true it is. One of our missionaries, Brother Jeff Castle, uh, was in a meeting and he and his young son had been praying for his boy's salvation and he was in a camp meeting and while he was visiting, fellowshipping with some pastors, his son got to talking to a gentleman. The man sat down with him at a table and got to witness him to Brother Castle's son and led him to the Lord. Couldn't find out the man was an ex-prisoner, had been saved while he was in prison. And uh, thank God that the Lord takes care of our business when we take care of his business. Uh, tonight, if you have your Bible, let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. <clears throat> I want to bring the message from this portion and passage of Scripture tonight. If you've got your Bible there, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God, please. <clears throat> Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1. John says on the Isle of Patmos, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Go to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, and let's look at two verses of Scripture, and then we'll turn back to the book of Revelation for just a moment. Book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 1, verse 2, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let thine heart not be hasty to utter anything before God. Now this is the phrase I want to emphasize tonight. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. Tonight I'm grateful to have a Bible that we can openly read and we can openly teach from and preach from in the United States of America. And I'm grateful for the uh, preachers that are in this auditorium tonight. I'm grateful for Brother uh, Matthew and Sister Hannah Frank. Of course, the church knows since they're missionaries out of our church, our newest missionaries with the Rock of Ages, and God's blessing them in a wonderful way. They did a great job in the missionary candidate school. And then I would like to echo what our pastor has stated, that two of my heroes of the faith are here tonight, Brother Sammy Allen and also Brother Stennett Blue. They've been a great inspiration to me over the years, and I appreciate their faithfulness and steadfastness to hold a sound doctrine over these many years. And tonight, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to preach just a simple message tonight, and I'll try not to be too long, the Lord willing. And I want to preach on the subject matter of heaven tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Our fathers, we bow before the throne of grace. I would ask you that you'll take the word of God. May you burn it deep in our hearts. We thank you tonight for this church and for the blessing it's already been to Mrs. Ellis and I. We thank you for our preacher. And I pray God your continued hand upon he and Mr. Elite and the family. And Lord, we thank you for a church that is old-fashioned. Lord, a church that still holds to sound doctrine, a church that still believes in old-timey worship, and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to move 
And I would ask you tonight, if there is one in our midst that knows not Christ, they're not ready for heaven, may the Spirit of God convict them, draw them to Calvary that they might be saved, draw them to that place of repentance that they might turn from their sin and be willing to turn to the Savior. I ask you tonight that you'll help us as we examine heaven. And God, may you draw our hearts for just a moment and paint a vivid picture in our hearts and our mind and in the depth of our soul concerning that which is in store for us. We ask to encourage your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Many today question whether or not heaven is even real. Many question the existence, as we spoke the other night on the subject matter of hell, more question the matter of heaven than they do even the subject matter of hell in the day and age in which you and I live. But I would like to say just briefly in summary tonight that heaven is as real as the air that we breathe tonight. Heaven is as real as the pews that we're seated upon. Heaven is as real as where we live and where we have our houses, our homes, and our lands. Heaven is as real as this church tonight. Heaven is mentioned and spelled out 551 times in the Word of God. The book of Matthew, heaven is found 69 times. In fact, the word heaven is found in the subject of heaven more in the Gospel of Matthew than any other book of the entire Bible. Civilizations over the centuries have taught different things concerning the earth and concerning heaven. The Egyptians believed that the earth was a saucer held up by four pillows with a ring of mountains around it. And everything that was around it was just strictly heaven. There was nothing beyond that. The Greeks, they believed that the earth rested upon the back of Atlas. In fact, even today, the Greeks' mythology affects our generation. When we go to purchase a map, we usually call them atlases. And that was taken from the culture of the Greeks. The Hindus believed that the earth was carried on, the, on an elephant's back swimming in a a vast cosmic sea, and everything around that was heaven, and there was nothing beyond that. But I want to say to you tonight that heaven is more than what we have here on this earth. In fact, uh, Paul said it this way, if I have hope in this world only... He spoke that he'd be of all men most miserable. And aren't you glad tonight that the Bible promises more than what we have tonight? And I thank God that while we have been saved and washed in the blood of Christ, born into the family of God, and we have heaven to gain and heaven to look forward to, I'm glad he's made us to sit in heavenly places now while we're on the journey. The Bible Uh, tells us even where heaven is located at in the book of Isaiah in chapter number 14 and verse number 12 and 13. The Bible said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt the throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. Notice in the context he's speaking of Satan, how that he would exalt himself and he would sit at the throne of God and then the congregation of God. And notice the location, in the sides of the north. Job put it this way in Job 26 and verse number 7. He stretcheth out the north over the empty places and hangeth the earth upon nothing. May I uh, say to you tonight that heaven is in the north. They have found a, what they call an empty space, a place in space. It is over 2,000 miles away and much wider than the uh, Milky Way in which you and I live. In fact, they say that it is over 2,000 times the size of the Milky Way where you and I live in the planet Earth. They tell us that it is 100,000 light years across from span to span. 
in the space. They tell us that as light travels 186,000 miles per second, that it would take over 100,000 years to travel across that Milky Way. You say, preacher, what's the significance of that? The Bible tells us in the book of Psalm, chapter 48, verse 1 and 2, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, the city of our God in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situations and joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. May I say to you tonight that heaven is far beyond anything that you and I could ever imagine. No artist and no pen has written an accurate description of the wonders and the splendors of heaven outside the Bible, God's holy book. The Bible declares in the book of Leviticus chapter 1 verse 10 and verse 11. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep and of the goats, uh, for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish, and he shall kill it upon the side of the altar. Watch this northward before the Lord and his priests, and Aaron's sons shall uh, sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. And so now we have in the uh, book of Leviticus instructions that when the offerings were brought, they were to offer them on the side of the altar northward and notice the phrase before the Lord. And so now we find that David has spoke of heaven in the northern region. Job spoke of heaven in the north. Now we find Moses speaking of heaven in the north. And the word northward before the Lord, in that context, the word before, it literally means in the very face of, on the very presence or in the very uh, front of that individual. And in this passage of scriptures, he said that you had all the offered on the altar northward before the Lord. In other words, when they would offer the sacrifice and as they pointed northward, they were offering it in the very face of Almighty God. Heaven, may I say to you, is just, it's not just upward. We live on the planet Earth. It rotates at, what is it, over 33,000 miles an hour. So heaven is not just up there. It's not upward, but it's northward. The time and day in which you and I I live, I want to look at heaven from three biblical perspectives tonight. And if you'll bear with me, I'll get through these as soon as possible. First, I would like to look at heaven's splendor. Then I would like to take a moment and look at heaven's saints. And last but not least, I would like to take a brief look at heaven's Savior. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah in chapter number 64 and verse number 4, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee what he hath prepared for him that walketh through him or waiteth for him. I want to say to you tonight, the most vivid imagination we have of the splendor of heaven pales in comparison to the reality of what heaven is all about. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, Paul writing his letter to the church at Corinth, he said, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. When we consider the splendor of heaven, it is greater than the seven uh, scientific and ancient wonders of the world. Heaven is more splendid and magnificent than the great pyramids of Egypt, the hanging gardens of Babylon, the temple of artists at Ephesus, the statue of Zeus at Olympia, 
I want to say to you tonight that heaven is greater and more splendid than the mausoleum at Bordron, Turkey. Heaven tonight is greater than the Colossus of Rhodes in Greece. Heaven tonight is greater and more splendid than the lighthouse of Alexander in Egypt. Heaven's splendor tonight. And God has given you and I the opportunity who have been washed in the blood of Christ to go to the place he's prepared called heaven. John, in the book of Revelation, saw a new heaven and a new earth and a, a new city, Jerusalem, new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. It is the final abode of the child of God. I want you to notice a couple of things with me tonight. Some time ago, a close preacher friend of mine, actually it's been about four or five years ago, he came to me, his wife had went home to be of the Lord. He was grieving deeply over her absence and he, he pulled me aside. He said, Brother Terry, uh, you and I have been friends for 20-something years and, and I've preached the Bible over 40-something years. He said, but for the life of me, I have no idea what my wife's doing in heaven. He said, can you tell me? I said, I, I know what I've heard preached and I, I know a little bit, but I don't know. I'll have to dig in the Bible to make sure. To be honest with you, I didn't know all the details myself. And I don't know all the details tonight and I'm not trying to give the impression that I do, but I have found a few things in the Bible. And I want to share them with you tonight. Listen to John's description the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number, or chapter 21 and chapter 22, John describes heaven this way. He said, There's no need for the sun or the moon, for the glory of God and the Lamb is the light of the city. He said also that the walls are of jasper and, and there's 12 different foundational stones. He teaches us in the book of Revelation 21 and 22 that the city is made of a street and the city is made of gold that is clear as glass. There's 12 gates of pearl. The street of the city is made of pure transparent gold. The gates of the city are never closed. The Bible says according to John's Writings in chapter 21 and chapter 22 of the book of Revelation that there's never a need for the sun. There is no sun, moon, or stars for the S-O-N, the Son of God, is the light of the city. When Moses came down from the mount and there... He had been in the presence of Almighty God. He had to put a veil upon his face. Israel could not look upon him. Peter and John was with Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration. And they came down off the mount. And the Bible talked about the great light that shone about them. And Peter said, let us build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. And Dr. B.R. Lincoln said of that text, it's obvious that Peter had never been in a church building program before the Bible says that there'll be no need for the sun, the S-U-N, for the S-O-N is always shining. There's water of life, clear as crystal that flows from the very throne of God. There's a tree that bears 12 manner of fruit. There are no tears in heaven. Thank God for that. No more curse in heaven. Thank God for that. No more death in heaven. Thank God for that. No more sorrow in heaven. Thank God for that. No more crying in heaven. Thank God for that. There'll be no more pain in heaven. Thank God for that. A brief glimpse of heaven tonight would take our breath away. It would cause us tonight to be speechless and gasp for air if we saw the splendor of heaven. I was with my dad the night that he passed away and went on to be of the Lord. My dad only had a fourth grade education. I'd been up all day and 
all night and middle of the morning and the next night or I was sitting with him and hadn't been on. It would be his night that he'd go home to be of the Lord and I literally had just fallen asleep and slumped over in my chair. All of a sudden, I heard my dad and it startled me. He said, I see it. I see it. I woke up out of a deep sleep and I said, Dad, what do you see? And I was looking around trying to figure out what he was seeing. And he said, boy, I see it. Then it dawned on me what he was seeing. I said, Daddy, what does it look like? He stared out into space and all he said was, hmm, it's phenomenal. My daddy only had a fourth fourth grade education. We didn't even know he knew the word phenomenal. But all he could say is, it's phenomenal. And may I say to you tonight, here at Bible Baptist Church, heaven is phenomenal. But I don't want to spend all my time here. There's a lot could be spoken of of this of the gates and the stones that make up the gates of the city and the beauty and the splendor the Bible gives us of heaven. But I want to look at heaven's saints for a moment. I want to dwell here for just a moment. In the book of Revelation, chapter number 14 and verse number 13, John said, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Then in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse number 8, Paul said in his second letter in writing to the church at Corinth, we are confident. Aren't you glad tonight we can put our confidence in the word of God and the promise of God? We don't have to think about it. We don't have to hope so. We don't have to wish. But thank God we can know so tonight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Somebody said, well, when I die, I'll just be in the grave in a swoon until the day the Lord calls me out. Well, you can do whatever you want, but I'm going to be with the Lord. And by the way, if you're going to be stuck in the grave, you need to get saved. For the saved will be caught up to be with the Lord when he comes. Consider these biblical truths about heaven. Someone said, and this is what my preacher friend asked about. In the Bible, in the book of Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31, and I know the subject matter is on hell, and that's the message that we preach out of this text, and rightfully so. But not only in this text do we find a description of those that are in hell, we also find some description of those that are in heaven. Notice the Bible says concerning Lazarus that at his death there was an angelic escort. I'm glad when this walk of life is over and my time to cross the swelling tide has come. He'll send an angelic escort and I believe I'll be ushered into the very divine presence of Almighty God. We'll not be left to die alone. We also find that he is described, Lazarus, as having physical form. The Bible tells us that the rich man cried and he said, send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. And so one of the first things we see is Lazarus in this form had a body with a hand and the hand had a finger. When we get to heaven, I'm glad to serve you notice tonight. We're not going to be a bunch of spirit and ghosts floating around. We'll have a body, and we'll look at it in a moment, like into his glorious body, and we'll be able to enjoy heaven in a new body. The Bible said that he asked him to go to his brother's house that he might testify unto them, so he had feet that he might walk. So we know that Lazarus had a hand and a finger. He had feet. And then the Bible said that he may testify unto them. So he must have had a a voice, a mouth, and a tongue. 
and he had a voice box. The Bible said that God responded and said, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. We see here that he's living a carefree life. He's living a life of comfort. How else could it be when you're in the very divine presence of God himself? But there's another group in heaven that gives us even more insight concerning those that are in heaven. In the book of Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9 through 11, I'd like to read it in its entirety and bring some thoughts to your attention tonight. John said in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, how holy and true dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that they should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Here in the book of Revelation, in the end times, John sees, the Bible says in the opening part of verse number 9, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. Here are martyrs in heaven. They are around and underneath the altar. Notice a few things about these Martyrs, these saints of God that are now in the presence of God in our text. Notice, if you would, that there was some type of a a continuity in their identity between heaven and earth. Somehow, these martyrs in heaven knew that the, the brethren on earth had not yet been are those who murdered them was on earth and they had not yet received the vengeance and the recompense of God, the judgment of God. They were in heaven, but they knew. We find secondly, they were able to express themselves. The Bible says in our text, they cried out. Notice they had emotion. How long, O Lord, how long wilt thou? May I say to you in heaven, we're not going to be a bunch of just spirits floating around. We're going to have a a body likened to the body of the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They asked him this question, and so they were able to ask questions. How long dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? Someone has said that it's okay to ask God questions, but it is not okay to question God. And here the martyrs are in heaven and they're underneath the altar and they're asking God questions. How long, Lord? How long will it be before you avenge our enemies of our blood? To some degree, they knew what was happening on the planet Earth. We find also that they had individuality, for the Bible said that each one of them were given a white robe. Then we find that God answered their question. It is estimated that there are over 400 martyrs per day on the planet Earth. That is 150,000 per year. And God knows every single one by name. I was reading some time back and they stated that it is estimated that since the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, it is estimated there have been over 65 million martyrs. And here in our scripture, 
the 65 million martyrs plus those that are going into our text. Can you imagine 65 million people, martyrs, crying out to the Lord, oh Lord, how long? But then can you hear a 65 million and all the saints of heaven standing up and saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 2, Beloved, now we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. They entered into the tomb after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no body. Bible tells us in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24 and verse number 39, he told Thomas, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. In heaven we'll have a body likened to the physical body that we have tonight. But blood will not be the life source, as in Leviticus when he said the life of the flesh is in the blood. For he himself will be the life-giving source of that body. Notice this after the resurrection of Christ, and I'll not take the time to go through all of it. First, he told uh, Thomas, he said, touch me not, for I'm not yet ascended to my uh, father. But then when he shows up in his glorified body, he walks right through the walls, and the Bible specifies with the door being shut. And physical matter will have no bearing whatsoever on our heavenly body. Fine, that while he walked through the door and appeared to Thomas, yet he said to Thomas, reach out and touch me. And Thomas reached out and touched the wounds in his hands. Why didn't his hands just go all the way through? He had just walked through physical matter. He ate fish on the shores of the Sea of Galilee in his glorified body. Thank God when we get to heaven, we need all we want and whatever he gives us, as much as we want. He walked with the disciples on the Emmaus Road and they didn't recognize who he was until he spoke. And when he spoke, they immediately knew him and later said, when he spoke, did not our hearts burn within us? What type of body will we have in heaven? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So we know that Jesus walked with them on the mess road. So he has feet. We know that Jesus spoke the word of God. So he's able to speak in his glorified body. There's a lot of descriptions we could go through. The Bible says concerning God in the book of Revelation that his hair is white. His eyes are like fire. His hands, the Bible said in the book of Isaiah, is not shortened that he cannot save. So we know he has hair, we know he has eyes, and we know that he has hands. His feet, the Bible says, he walks to and fro upon the earth, beholding the good and the evil, so he's got feet. 
The Bible says that he hears our prayer. So he's got ears. The Bible says that he may bear his holy arm. He's got an arm. He's got a thigh, for the Bible says when he comes back riding on the white horse, and somebody said, now you don't believe that stuff, do you? Guilty, double guilty, quadruple guilty. I believe the Bible tonight, brethren. And written on his thigh was the words, King of kings and Lord of lords. He has a mouth. He spoke. And it was. He has a nose, a nostril. He smells the sweet sacrifice of our service. It's a sweet-smelling incense into the very nostrils of God. He has feelings that were touched by the feelings of our infirmities. My friend, may I say to you, when we get to heaven, we'll have a body likened to his glorious body. We'll have hair and hands and feet and eyes and we'll have the opportunity to uh, communicate and fellowship throughout all eternity. Heaven's saints. Bill Moody the night that he was facing death. He was fading in and out of consciousness. His son-in-law was in the room. Mr. Moody began to talk what his son-in-law considered to be off the top of his head or out of his mind. And he gave the testimony. He said all of a sudden his face lit up. And then he called out Dwight, Irene. Dwight and Irene. He said, I see the children's faces. He was referring to Two of his smaller grandchildren that had passed away during the last year. Mr. Moody on his deathbed, he saw his grandchildren called out to him, and God took him home. I've seen the house of Mr. Moody, and I've been to the school and the and the facilities where it's at. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I was shocked at, at the location. I've seen the house where Mr. Moody lived. The same Mr. Moody that his wife told him one time, said, honey, you need, you're tired, you're wore out. You need to just come aside and rest for a while. And he said to her, he said, I may get tired in the way, but I never get tired of the way. That's why we have men of God like Brother Hallen tonight and Brother Blue, who keep going and going and going and going and going. Why? Because there's a heaven someday, and someday we'll get that glorified body, no more sickness, no more pain, no more dying, no more crying, all in the very divine presence of Almighty God. Mr. Moody wrote this article, and I'll quote it verbatim. He said, someday you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. He said, don't you believe a word of it? He said, at that moment I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all. Out of this old clay tenement um, is not a, a... Excuse me, let me back up. That is all. How this old clay, a tenement, is not a house that is uh, immortal. A body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint. A body fashioned like in his glorious body. I was born in the flesh in 1837. I was born in the spirit in 1856. That which is born in the flesh may die, but that which is born in the spirit, he said, shall live forever. Child of God, we have heaven to look forward to after this life and we can enjoy the journey. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created. You say, preacher, what are we going to be doing in heaven when we get there? Well, there's a lot of things. But in our text, the Bible says, 
O Lord, thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Imagine standing around the throne of God, looking at the Lamb of God, saying, Glory! 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 Honor! Honor! Power! Power! What else can you say but glory, honor, power? What else can you say to describe the presence of God and his power and his presence and the body which the Lord has and which he'll give us? How, what can we say but glory, honor, power? Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 11. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now you know it's a big number when God don't even put a number on it. Saying with a, watch this, with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and, and every creature that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are with them. Heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power unto him that sitteth on the throne. And the far beast said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever in heaven. We'll worship him, thank God. You might as well get used to it down here. You say all of that shouting, it's getting on my nerves. And, and all that hollering and giving God glory, it bothers me. Well, honey, you wait till you get to heaven and 65 plus million martyrs and all the saints of God are saying glory, honor, power is given to the Holy Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. Let me close tonight. If I may preach, am I okay? I'm trying to hurry every chance I get. I just haven't had too many chances yet. Notice in the book of Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. And notice what he says, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And open the seals thereof. Now watch this. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And John now is drawing our attention. He's drawn our attention to heaven's splendor. He's drawn our attention to heaven's saints. And now he's drawing our attention to the most important of all, heaven's Savior. A lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. John 3.16, one of the most profound verses in the word of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here tonight and you're lost without Christ, I have no doubt you're very nervous tonight. Because you don't know heaven's Savior. If you knew the Savior that we knew that reached down and pulled us out of the gutter, that reached down and saved our soul from hell, if you knew the God who lifted us up out of the miry pits and the very fires of hell, you would rejoice too tonight. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The saying came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all, that lighteth, uh, that all men, pardon me, through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was sent in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came in his own, his own received him not. But, his, um, but he says unto them, or as, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So I say to you tonight, my friend, we can enjoy heaven's splendor and be a part of heaven's saints all because of heaven's Savior. I remember some years ago, I was visiting with a preacher that's already in heaven now. We'd done a revival. I've not done many revivals over the years, honestly, other than just in prison. But I remember I was preaching from a Sunday to a Sunday for a preacher. He's in heaven now. On the close of the Sunday, in the afternoon, he said to me, he said, Brother Ellis, he said, I have a lady that um, I'd like to go visit. He said, in fact, I preached out at the nurse's home on this particular Sunday, and I'd like for you to go and preach that service, if you would. I said, I'd be honored to, preacher. We got to the nursing home and had our service. There was a lady by the name of Miss Lee that didn't come to the service. He said, Brother Ellis, I know I about worked you to death. He said, but if you don't mind, you've got a moment. I'd like to go visit Mrs. Lee and see what's wrong. I said, Preacher, I'm your servant. Whatever you want, let's go. We walked into the room. Mrs. Lee was on her bed inside the nursing home. And soon as she saw the preacher, she began to weep. Preacher walked over to her and said, Mrs. Lee, I missed you at church today. He said, you never miss church. She said, I know, preacher. She said, I tried to get them to roll my bed down there and they wouldn't do it. She said, in fact, I got a little bit upset with them. She said, I wanted to be in the service and hear the preaching. She had fallen and broken her hip that week and they had her restricted, confined to the bed. And she's weeping profusely. And he said to her, well, Mrs. Lee, I understand, said, do you miss church that bad? Is that why you're so broken? She said, oh, no, that's not the real reason. She said, preacher, today, today is my 105th birthday. I'm 105 years old today. He said, well, thank God, Mrs. Lee, praise the Lord. And he rejoiced with her. She said, you know what? She said, I was thinking right before you came in. My husband passed away a few years ago. My children's all dead and gone. Some of my grandchildren's already passed away. And she said, I was laying here thinking, God's been good to me. I'm 105 years old. And I bet my children and some of my grandchildren and my husband's in heaven thinking, poor old mama, she didn't make it. He said, aren't they going to be surprised when I come walking through them gates? 105 years old, a silicon for that city, silicon for that new Jerusalem, that heaven, that place of splendor. He can salvage broken homes. He can salvage broken relationships. Wayward children in the hardest of cases known to man. Why? Because he is the Savior of the entire world tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2. If the ladies and gentlemen would come to the instruments, let's prepare to close. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none of the name given in heaven or given among men, whereby we must be saved. You may be here as a sinner and not ready for heaven, but I want to ask you this. Are you here as a child of God and you're not ready for heaven? Heaven's as real as the air we breathe tonight. Many years ago, I was just a young preacher boy. My wife had an aunt, her name was Emma. 
She was in the Dalton Hospital, the Memorial Hospital, I believe it's called, from this area, but I haven't lived here in many years. And I remember when we got off the elevator on the floor that she was on, as soon as you walked off the elevator, you could, you could smell her Aunt Emma. And the reason is the type of cancer she had. It grew externally. And literally, he, she started with a little spot on her neck, right there on the side of her jaw. And it began to grow and expand outward. It would literally, the flesh would putrefy. It, it was putrid to smell. You could smell it through the whole hospital. Chunks would swell up and literally just fall off. And I remember we were spending the night to give the family a break and my wife's uncle was in the room and he and I were sitting visiting. She'd been in a coma for quite some time. And all of a sudden we looked up and Aunt Emma's eyes were open, wide open. And her lips began to move just a little bit. I looked at her uncle and he looked at me and we walked over each on one side of the bed and, and she was saying, got down a little closer to try to hear what she was saying. And she got a little strength and she started saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. And her voice would gain strength every time she'd make the statement. And after a while she was saying, come on, come on, come on. She lifted her hand up in the air. She said, come on. And she reached out like that and her hand looked like it was holding someone else's hand in midair. She said, come on. And she grabbed hold of her unseen hand and a smile broke out from ear to ear and her hand collapsed her side and she was escorted into heaven. Are you ready for heaven tonight? Every head bowed, never eye closed tonight. You need to come to this altar tonight. You come. What a, what a day that'll be. You need to just come and thank God for heaven tonight. You need to come and pray for your loved ones that are not ready for heaven tonight. Why don't you come now? How could you rob your loved ones and their souls of such a place called heaven? How could you let them die and go to a place called hell? Heaven, what a glorious place. I don't know when I'm a-going, but I know I'm a-going. You need to come tonight, you come now. Some of you live possibly as if there is no heaven, as if there was no Savior. Tonight, why don't you come? The Ryan, if you would please give us a song.